Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to the final segment of the program for the week. Huh? Yeah, then we'll take a break, a little bit of President's Day, then back you and, he, you and me, that is, chatting here uh, next week. Looking forward to that. I have done you a disservice. I may have misled you. I earlier said that we, towards the end of the program, would have a chance to open the phone lines. Uh, as I look at the clock and look at what I need to get through here still, I don't know that I'm going to have time to do that. So uh, let's do this together. Would you, in, instead of calling, would you send me a, a text message? The text message line is wide open right now. Utah Community Credit Union text line. It is 57500. And the very basic question I have for you is, uh, please put yourself in the shoes, in the seats, in the position of the the various senators right now who are sitting through uh, the question and answer period, who have thus far sat through the presentations of both the House managers looking to convict the president, the former president, Donald Trump, as well as the defense team, which put on their presentation here today on behalf, looking to acquit the former president of the United States. Let's say you are one of those, and you are tasked with casting a vote today. Do you vote to acquit or convict, and why? Uh, fit that in a text message and send it my way, will you? 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, and once I get through a few other things here, oh, and the text messages are already coming in. That's great. Uh, let me. I'll get through a few things here, and then I will uh, turn to the text messages, and uh, you and I can go back and forth that way. All right, so I told you in the, in the timeline of events, what is transpiring right now is the question and answer period. It's an opportunity for the senators to ask questions directly to the, well, I guess it's not technically directly. I'll, I'll explain. They write down their questions on a card, each of the senators do. That card is then transmitted over to the presiding officer, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy, who then reads the question to the, the party to whom it's being asked, either the impeachment, uh, the House managers, or the uh, the defense team. And then they, they answer. They come to the microphone, the same microphone they've been using uh, all week, uh, presenting their arguments. That's what's happening today. There are four hours allotted to that. Uh, not clear yet if they will use the full four hours, uh, but they have up to four hours to go back and forth reading the questions written on these cards and each of the respective teams answering them. Uh, tomorrow, there will be... Uh, there will be some procedural things, and it is expected that uh, the Senate will reconvene at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. And then uh, the final vote, 
This is just a prediction. This can change, right? A lot of things could happen. Uh, More time could be added. There could be additional back and forth. Uh, But right now, the estimation is that at about 1 p.m. Mountain tomorrow, there will be the ultimate uh, and final vote to either acquit or convict. Remember, my question to you via text message is, what would you do? If you're a senator, you have heard the impeachment managers and the defense team go back and forth all week. If you were a senator, do you vote to acquit or convict and why? 57500. Utah Senator Mitt Romney, he has uh, taken the opportunity to ask a question of the uh, managers. And I want to uh, read to you the question that was asked, and then I'll play for you uh, the response that he and uh, Senator Susan Collins, they together asked the question, which was, when President Trump sent disparaging tweet regarding Vice President Pence at 224 on January 6th, was he aware the vice president had been removed from the Senate by the Secret Service for his safety? Here, after posing that question, uh, is the response given to Senator Romney and Collins. Well, let me tell you what he said at 2.24 p.m. He said Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. The USA demands the truth. And you know by now what was all over the media. You couldn't turn on the television, couldn't turn on the radio, couldn't consume any media or probably take any phone calls or anything else without hearing about this and also hearing about the vice president. And here's what Donald Trump had to know at that time because the whole world knew it. All of us knew it. Live television had, by this point, shown that the insurgents were already inside the building and that they had weapons and that the police were outnumbered. And here are the facts that are not in dispute. Donald Trump had not taken any measures to send help to the overwhelmed Capitol Police. As president, at that point, when you see all this going on and the people around you are imploring you to do something, and your vice president is there, why wouldn't you do it? Donald Trump had not publicly condemned the attack. The attackers had told him to stand down despite multiple pleas to do so. And Donald Trump hadn't even acknowledged the attack. And after Wednesday's trial portion concluded, Senator Tuberville spoke to reporters and confirmed the call that he had with the president and did not dispute Manager Cicilline's description uh, in any way that there was a call between he and the president around the time that Mike Pence was being ushered out of the chamber. And that was shortly after 2 p.m. And Senator Tuberville... That there, a portion of the response to the question posed uh, to both the the counsel to the former president and the House managers... Again, that question posed by Senators Romney and Collins asking if the president, President Trump, uh, who sent a, a tweet about Vice President Pence at 224 on January 6th, was aware of the specific whereabouts of the vice president at the time uh, that that tweet was sent. Interestingly, yesterday we saw at that very time where the vice president was. He was being ushered out of the Senate chamber and into a safe location. That security footage, which was just yesterday for the first time made public, you saw, or the day before, uh, you saw the vice president and a swarm of uh, both staff and Secret Service coming out of the Senate chamber into uh, a safe retreat. And one of the interesting things that we saw in that footage was uh, someone carrying the uh, nuclear football. 
hey, you, for, you forget sometimes that, uh, well, the very basic role of the vice president is to be ever ready to step in for the president should he or she be incapacitated uh, or lose their life. And, well, one of the duties of the president is to be the ultimate say-so when it comes to the launching of nuclear weapons. A fascinating little detail that emerged in that in that video, at least a reminder of such. Uh, anyway, I asked you, uh, the listener, to, to text in and share with me your thoughts after having seen both the uh, the arguments presented by the House impeachment managers as well as the defense team here today. If you were sitting in the seat of one of the senators tasked with making the decision as to whether or not to uh, convict, whether or not to acquit, what would you do? Would you convict or acquit? And I got to tell you, the the responses have been pretty split uh, here via the text. Uh, uh, here's one. It says convict. Uh, Trump may or may not have intended what happened, but he should be held accountable for his words. Uh, here's one. It says acquit. Uh, you cannot prove the end result was his intention. Uh, and, and here's one. Uh, this one you know, might be uh, probably the most true. If I'm a Democrat, I vote to convict. If I'm a Republican, I vote to acquit. That's the way it's going to happen because that's the way it always happens. Uh, you know what? You can't argue with that. Really, you can't argue with that. Uh, here's one. Acquit, based on Democrats were emotional, where Republicans based uh, their argument on the law. Uh, here's one that says uh, vote to inquit, vote to acquit. It's a horrifying dereliction of duty to the office of president. Uh, another one, acquit. Don't like how Trump talks, but the riot at the Capitol wasn't because of what he said. Uh, by the way, great show. Thanks a lot, Kelton. That is going to do it for uh, this week here on Live Mike. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a big historic week. Next time you and I chat, we will know whether or not the Senate voted to acquit or convict. Stay tuned. Fascinating stuff ahead. History in the making. Uh, Time for me to step aside, make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. Your all day resource for critical breaking news, traffic and weather, and conversation about Utah's most important stories. Listen on the KSL News Radio app, sponsored by NA Hour Services. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.